0: Well, welcome to our equipped service and if this is your first time uh, you were given that uh, bulletin or that place where you can take notes and it's blank. It's not like Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday morning is a little bit different. We're, we're to reach those that don't know Jesus Christ on Sunday morning. Wednesday night is built more for those who know Christ and want to grow in their walk with him a little bit deeper uh, than that on Sunday morning. I do understand that some of you... This is your only time that you can make it to a service because you work on Sundays or, you know, you, you drive from afar. So uh, this is your, your time to worship God and, and then learn together. The good thing is that he has given us the abilities and the gifts to do the works of the ministry. Did you know that you are called by God to do the works of ministry? It's not just the pastor. It's not just the people that volunteer in the church or, or those who are on staff. It's every single person who calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, or a disciple of Jesus Christ. Those are the people that God says, I'm going to use you to do the works of the ministry. So that's why we call it equip. It comes out of Ephesians 4.11, which is on the backside of your bulletin, that we are equipped. And God wants to equip you. I want to ask you a question tonight because this one is going to help us to kind of set a base on what we're going to talk about. Uh, and the question is this, what do you pray for? What do you pray about? What do your prayers sound like? Some of us have help me prayers. It's God help me. I'm struggling with this. I need this. I need that. So help me. Uh, Some of our prayers are uh, like confusing prayers. And we say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening in my life. I'm confused. I don't know where else to go. So it's like confusing prayers. Uh, Some of us have angry prayers like, God, change her. She's, she's, not, she's not listening. She's not doing what I'm asking her to do. Or God, change him. He's not listening. He's not doing what I'm asking. Or God, change my children because they're hard-headed. They're, they're not obeying. And so we have those kinds of prayers. We also have prayers that are uh, kind of like uh, random prayers. You know, you're just driving and then someone cuts you off. Oh, Lord, help me, please. <laughs> Lord, help me. Uh, you you kind of pray like that or... Or you say a bad word, and it's like, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, please. Those are like the, the quick, you know, fly-by, drive-through prayers. And it's, it's like one of those things that, that we really don't think about when it comes to prayer. But prayer is something that God designed for us so that we could connect with him. We have technology that we use to connect with one another. We use cell phones. Uh, we use uh, email. We use uh, radio waves. We use different ways to communicate. So that we can connect with one another. God has the greatest technology. It's our thoughts. It's our words that we speak with him. That we can pray to God anytime. It does not require electricity. There's no monthly bill. There's no charged minutes. There's no, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that? Spell check. You know, and then autocorrect. Because sometimes you text someone, there's autocorrect. You're like, wrong word. When you pray to God... It's, it's live. There's, there's, there's nothing that, that God says when it comes to us praying to him that he says, you're no good. He says, no, pray to me. Pray to me. And so the question is, what do you pray for? What do you pray about? What, 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 what brings you to prayer? Is it only when you need help or is it only when things don't go your way and you pray to God? God. Or are we proactive? Do we pray to God because we love him? And we say to God, whatever your will is, I see this happening in my life, and if this is part of your will, Lord, then help me to, and then you finish your prayer. You say to God, I, I'm on the same page as you. Help me to get on the same page with you. That you're saying to God, my prayer to you is a part of your will. I'm not praying in, in In contrast to what's happening in my life, I'm praying for your will in my life. And if this is not a part of what's supposed to happen in my life, or if this is happening in my life that is not a part of your will, then let your will be done, not mine. I want to pray to you, not for things and circumstances. I want to pray for you and your will. So one of the things that I looked at was our country and the things that we've gone through. When it comes to prayer, in fact, on October 3rd, 1789 in New York, President George Washington states this. He says, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. It's like our, our president was saying, our first president was saying, we need God in our nation. We need God's favor. Without God's favor, we're a dying nation and he knew that from the very beginning in 1970 an oxygen tank exploded uh, during the Apollo 13 mission and th- those were the famous words Houston we have a problem but the nation prayed and the crew returned back safely and then in ni- 1859 America is spiritually and, and, and financially bankrupt but then A small group of people pray for the country, and more than 1 million people come to know Jesus Christ. In our recent times, just over 10 years ago, 9-11, when the World Trade Center and other areas were hit with these airplanes, the entire nation, in fact, almost the entire known world that we're connected with, prayed for our nation. And it's like God was able to bring people closer to him, but then since people faded. It's interesting, when things happen, we pray. When we want to see things happen, we pray. But we pray to an almighty God who does move. What usually happens, and we're going to find this out in the book of Exodus, and if you're reading your devotions, you would have read through the book of Exodus and, now, uh, and then through Numbers and now in the book of Deuteronomy. But one of the things we find out is that we are a kind of people that pray to God, and when God solves our problem, we leave God. It's like that's a natural tendency for us. We pray to God, God, help me with this, help me, help me, help me, help my family, help my son, my daughter, help our our finances, help me get a job, help this, help that. God does, and then everything's fine, we forget about God. It's interesting that we, we don't just go through that nowadays, but this has happened long ago in the Bible times. I want us to to look at a a scripture, and I know I said Exodus, but I want us to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10. Because I want us to focus on this part of a prayer. That tonight, and if if you want to write a title down or something, then write, Praying for the Lost. Praying for the Lost. And the reason why I'm entitling it Praying for the Lost is because Jesus said something out of all the words that he said, that should resonate deep in our souls, that should be the the very fabric of why we do what we do here, not as a church, but here as a people. That once you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, once you come into a relationship with God, something needs to happen here in our hearts, and it's not just about us. It's not just about God, fix what I'm going through. God, help me in my marriage and my family. Although important, God says there's a greater vision that I have for your life. There's a greater responsibility that I'm giving to you as a believer in me. This is why Jesus came. He's saying if you want something in this life for your life to count for, something of significance, then here it is. It's found in Luke chapter 19 verse 10. And Jesus says this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the whole reason why Jesus came. Now, yes, he healed the sick and the blind and the lame. He did those things, but the whole reason was to glorify God so that more people would flock to Jesus so that Jesus could save them from sin, from eternal separation from God. Our moment on this earth is but a a blink of an eye, a millisecond compared to eternity. And Jesus says, this is the whole reason why I came. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, what was lost? Well, what does it mean to seek and save that which was lost? Well, if you rewind the tape way back with Adam and Eve, a relationship with God was lost because they disobeyed God. And because we continued on in that lost relationship, humanity has ever since been lost. We're lost without God. That's why when we live in this world and we encounter the problems that we go through or the stresses of life and we try our very best to make it work out, we always come to a dead end. But when we come to God and we understand his love for us, now now the the possibilities are endless. And so Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And what was it? It It was us as humanity... There's a lost relationship with God. We are now separated from God because of our sin. We disobeyed God. And so God says, "I, I, I love you with a passion. I have a future and a plan for you. Eternity is what I'm after. I want to be with you forever. That's how much God loves you. Even with your flaws. Even with my flaws. As ugly as we are on the inside. As evil as we are on the inside. God says, I still love you. That you have no chance in this world to find a better love than God's love. Because once somebody sees your evil, they may turn away from you. But once God sees, he knows our evil. He doesn't turn away from us. He draws near to us. For he died for us, as the Bible says, while we were yet sinners. God says, at your most evil time, that's when I'll die for you. I'm not going to wait for you to get good. I'm going to die for you even at your worst. That's how much I love you. And so when Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, it gives us a bigger picture. And he didn't just come to save me. He didn't come to just save you. He came to save every single person that is lost without him. In John 14, 6, Jesus says this I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And and we have to understand this that, yes, there is an enemy. There is the adversary called Satan. He is the one that deceived Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. He deceived them to disobey God, and now we're reaping the consequences. But he wants to do everything possible to take as much people as possible, as far away from God as possible, so that they cannot get into heaven. His whole goal is not just here on this earth. The devil's whole goal is to separate us from God for eternity. That's the only way the devil can get back at God. He goes after God's children. That's the only way he can get back at God. And he's very crafty. We cannot underestimate the the craftiness of the devil. He's very crafty. Instead of studying the devil, study God. Instead of getting to know the devil more, get to know God more. Because when you know the real deal, then whenever a counterfeit shows up, you can can discern it quickly. That's why anything that is counterfeit, they don't study all the counterfeit dollars and all the counterfeit uh, financial records. They don't study the counterfeit. They study the real thing. They study one real thing. So whenever there's a counterfeit, even just the feel of it, they know that it's a counterfeit. And so it is with God. When you get to know God, the real deal... Whenever you feel a counterfeit, you know it's not of God. And you can understand it. And you can, now you can make the decision to say, I'm going to press more into God, less into this area where I can sense, I can discern. That's what the Bible says. You got to discern that it's not of God. And when we pray to God and we say, Lord, if your heart is to seek and to save that which was lost, then it's more, then, then there's more to my life than coming to know you as my God. There has to be more. And when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the devil wants to make the road broader. That no, 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 it's not it's not only through Christ. You can come to God in this way and that way, in this religion, and that religion. You can you can be your own God. You can you can go through this route and that route or just serve all the gods. It's all gonna lead back to God. And Jesus says, No, I specifically said I am the way, the truth, and the life, because the devil lies. And he is the father of lies. He knows what we need to hear in order for us to not hear God. He can, ha- he can do anything to get us to understand the ways of the world. And as we study more of the world, then when we come to God, now we're confused. But God says, I am not a God of confusion. When you come to know me, then everything else on the side, you can discern when it's not me. Everything else that tries to distract you you'll be able to overcome. Why? Because I am the real deal. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So now, if we're Christians and we're saying, then if you're the only way, where does that leave us? I mean, we, we love you, God. We, we, we're thankful for all that you do in our lives. We have a lot of problems in our own life. How are we supposed to help other people when we're, we ourselves are struggling in certain areas? i tell you what is very interesting. You can say that you're struggling with your finances with God, but you're in better shape than someone who who has all the finances without God. Did you know that? You can say, I'm struggling in my relationship, in my marriage, but you're in much better shape than someone who is not struggling in their relationship without God. You're in much better shape. You're in a much better arena because you're surrounded by the heavenlies. You have God on your side. What else do you need? So when you come into this relationship with God, even the bad times are better than the best times without God. And so when he says, I came to seek and save that which was lost, even though we may be going through hard times, imagine those who don't know God. That may be their worst season of life. And they will never know unless they come to know God. And they'll push They'll, they'll debate, they'll push you away, they'll say negative things, and, and they may even avoid you. And that's okay. That's their choice. Our responsibility is not to force people or shove Jesus down people's throats or, you know, slam scripture at them or tell them, well, if you don't come to church, you can go to hell. It, that's not our responsibility. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus loved the, the, those that did not know him. He loved those that were far from him. He spent time with them. But he also prayed for them. And when Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, that gives us the blueprint on what to pray for. The other day, I was watching, uh, I think it was the Miami Heat play the Charlotte Bobcats. I don't know if you watch uh, basketball, but it's NBA, so I'm gonna switch gears a little bit, but it'll make perfect sense. In this basketball game, if you score like 38 points and 19 rebounds, which is when someone misses a basket and you get that ball, that's a good game. Well, someone from the Bobcats scored 38 points with 19 rebounds. But it was but a footnote in the sports world because LeBron James from the Miami Heat scored 61 points. And I thought, this other guy did very well. But it it paled into comparison to what LeBron James did with 61 points. He was the highlight of the night. The news was all about him. Everyone was talking about his game. Everyone was giving him high fives. Everyone was pointing to him. And I thought that's exactly what happens when we pray to God. Our prayers overshadow the enemy. And when we pray to God, it doesn't matter what the devil does on this side. He can have 38 points, 19 rebounds, but God is the highlight of the show. Everyone will be talking about him. Everyone will be praising him. Everything will be written about God because we're saying, I came, I came to do what God called me to do, and that's to pray to him. Well, what's your heart, Lord? What is your heart? His heart is that none shall perish. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. This year is our year of relationships. Our vision is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. It's just one relationship at a time. We have a couple hundred people here tonight. Imagine if we all reached one person for Jesus Christ. Just one. This will double. Just one person. Tonight, I want to ask you to think about someone that you know that does not know Jesus Christ. They don't know God. Maybe they're far from God. Maybe they don't want to have anything to do with God. Here's the good news. Actually, I'm going to need the easel. Can we grab that mat, please? Here's the good news. The good news is this. You can't and no one can stop other people praying for you, and no one can stop you from praying for someone else. That's, the, prayer is unstoppable. This should wake us up. Prayer is unstoppable. If, if you go to someone and say, hey, um, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ, and they say, no, I don't want to have anything to do with it, then you you can't. In fact, you're going to repel them. But if you say to God, Lord, I want to pray for this person, no one can stop you. Prayer is unstoppable. So if this person comes to know God one day, and let's just say it's in the year 2016, but we're here in the year 2014, and God says, I need people praying for this person so because because they're gonna to come to know me in the future, but I need about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven clicks. They need about that much movements or or steps closer to me. God says, then you, when you pray for this person, who knows what God will do? But that's one click closer. And as we continue to pray for the lost, after a while, then next thing you know, God says, Welcome home. And that person who you've been praying for, they may not have known that. They may come up to you in one day and say, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened. You know, five years ago, remember five years ago, I was going through this, this, and this, and that. And I was talking to you about that. And you mentioned something about Jesus Christ, something about church. And I was like, I don't like having anything to do with church. And you just let me go. But I watched your life. I watched how much you loved me. I watched how much you cared for me. All of a sudden, I don't know what God did, but my heart began to change. And deep down inside, you're saying, I know what happened. I know exactly what happened. I know exactly what God was doing. He loves you with an unconditional love, but you had people praying for you all along the way, and all together as we prayed to God, God did this. So therefore, in the end, no one gets glorified but God. It's interesting that when we understand prayer, it empowers us to do what's unimaginable. And the reason why I say unimaginable is because when we look back on our lives and us coming to know Jesus Christ, we just didn't come to know God just out of the blues. People were praying for us. They may not have told you, they may not have even mentioned it to you, but people were praying for you. Or you may know someone was praying for you. Maybe they told you every day, praying for you, praying for you, <laughs> all drunk on the ground, brother. I praying for you. Because we've done that before. So when we say to God, we're praying for the lost, oh, it just it 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 makes God not forces God. It makes God move. God is looking for people who will pray to Him. Now, prayer, this is a this is a, a kind of a theoretical deal. Sometimes people say, Does prayer move God? And it's said in the context of us thinking God is sitting on his throne. And then we pray to God and God says, okay, now I have permission. Now I can move. It's not what it's about. Prayer moves God. It's the heart of God that is moved. Because God is saying, I'm here in heaven. Here you are on this earth. And when Jesus said, let your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. What Jesus was saying was, your will is always done in heaven. Very rarely is your will done here on this earth. Lord God, may your will be done just like in heaven on this earth. And otherwise, let us obey the voice of God. And part of it is when Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now God says, I want you to partner up with me so that people come to know me as their Lord and Savior. See, people are important, but people are also impatient. In the book of Exodus, and you can turn to Exodus 32 if you have your Bibles. In Exodus 32, I'm going to read verses 9 through 10, 9 and 10. And this is uh, around the time Moses received the Ten Commandments of God. Remember, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He went up to the mountain, and then uh, God spoke to him, gave him the Ten Commandments. But in those 40 days, the people were impatient, and now Aaron, his brother, is with the people, and the people start to complain and say, Aaron, where is Moses? Where is he? Oh, he's, he's meeting with God. Now, if someone was meeting with God, I would be patient. If someone is, if your leader is meeting with God, you don't say, well, hurry up. Come on. Or text them, can you hurry up? Can you tell God, hurry up? They're down there. They're impatient. So they say to Aaron, Aaron, why don't you make us a God? We'll give you all our gold earrings and all our gold that you can make for us the God who brought us out of Egypt. Because this is way past them being slaves in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. Now they want a God that they can see. And so Aaron builds, they build this golden calf and they worship this calf. And God says, Moses, you better go down because there's something happening down there. Moses comes down and he sees this golden calf. He's upset at the people. And now God is angry. And so in Exodus 32, verse 9 and 10, the Lord says to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that, watch, listen to this. Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make, you, make of you a great nation. So we got to understand. Now Moses went through the wilderness with these guys. He, 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 he helped them to get to know God. He meets with God. He has to deal with all of their complaining, 2.5 million people. You maybe have three or four people in your home, and they complain. He had 2.5 million people. So God says to him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe them out, but I will make you a great nation. It's almost like Moses could have taken that deal and said, Shoots, I'll take that deal if you make me a great nation. This is not a great nation. These people are crazy. They're only complainers. But God says, "I will, I will just leave me alone. I will, I will set my wrath on them, but I'll make you a great nation, Moses, because this, these people are stiff-necked people. Have you ever seen someone with a stiff neck? Uh, they're, they're hard to move around. They're just stuck. Sometimes they'll just lie in bed. They're stuck there. But that word stiff neck refers to the oxen that when they were stubborn and you tried to pull them with the, uh, the yoke that was around them, that they, their neck just got stiff so you couldn't move them. So God refers to them as stubborn oxen. They're just stubborn people and they refuse to listen to God and they're resisting Deuteronomy 9.20 says the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But this is what Moses did. And it continues, but I prayed for Aaron and the Lord spared him. So when God sees all this happening, he says, I want want to take care of Aaron. But then Moses prayed for Aaron and the Lord spared him. Moses' intercession for Aaron spared his life. And I'm wondering, wondering because in God's sovereignty, he sees everything from beginning to end. I wonder if in God's sovereignty, he sees something in Moses, but he also sees something in Aaron, but even further than that, he sees something in the people. And that God says, when you pray to me, prayer is not going to change me. Prayer is going to change you. Prayer is going to change you and how you feel about people. Prayer is going to change you and how you intercede for people. Prayer is going to change you to be better because you're not just praying to any God. You are praying to the I am, the almighty God. And when you pray to me, I will equip you with everything possible so that your prayers will be answered. God hears our prayers. This intercession that Moses does, he intervenes on behalf of the people. In fact, the people didn't even know that they could turn to God. They they were afraid of God. They would let Moses meet with God. They would let Moses be the middleman. And so when they did that, they just never came to God because they were afraid of God. But that's why Jesus came. So that we could connect with God, not be afraid of God. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, an intimate relationship with God. That Jesus said, now that you, you understand my heart to seek and to save that which was lost, I want you to have that same heart. I want you to intercede for people. I want you to pray for the lost. There's a show on, I, I think it's a and E. I uh, I remember seeing this on, on a, a website or something that there's a show called Intercession. And in this show, uh, the basic theme of it is that there's someone in the house that is addicted to a drug. And everyone who loves them is trying to help them. So what they do is they bring in the professionals, they sit this person down, and then they intervene. And they say, we're stepping in, Bobby. We're stepping in. Oh, what are you guys stepping in for? Well, We're stepping in because we love you and your life is heading downwards. Oh, I don't know about you guys, but my life is not heading downwards. And they'll say, no, we love you, so we're going to write some notes to you, and we're going to help you to get better. Now, this person has a decision to make. They're either going to cooperate or they're going to say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But the stories that these people come through, the stories that the family intervenes for this person and this person comes through on the other side, they are so thankful and grateful for a family and friends that love them enough Help them through those difficult seasons. There are people that you know, there are people that I know that are going through difficult seasons because they're lost without God and they may not know it. But Jesus says, when you pray for them, when you seek my face and you pray for them on their behalf and you intercede for them, there's going to come one day, a day, that they're going to get to know God. Their lives will be transformed. They will have now a brand new future, a home in heaven. And they will be so grateful because someone prayed for them. Even though God gets angry, which is a righteous anger. It's not the kind of anger that takes us over in in an uncontrollable way. It's a righteous anger. Moses appeals to God. and 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 he states to God, Lord, these are your people. These are, this is, these are your own special people. Your reputation is based on this, these people, Lord, uh, among the other nations. And because of your promises, Lord, please save these people. It's because of what you said, Lord, and your character and who you are. Please save these people. It's because of your great mercy, Lord. Save these people. In other words, Moses was re- referring back to who God was, to answer his prayer, not in how he felt. Not in saying, Lord, I agree, I agree, these people are stubborn. Lord, I agree, these these people are hard-headed. I agree, Lord. Moses said, Lord, based on your character, based on your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your reputation, Lord, save these people. When we lift up God and when we exalt God, he hears our prayers. Say your prayers before God based on His promises and on His character. And and when we support our prayers with appeals to Scripture, that we use Scripture with our prayers, we align ourselves with the will of God. Because the Scriptures are the will of God. And we align ourselves with God's will. Part of learning is praying Scripture to God. But for some reason... God wants us to partner with him. Prayer is that powerful that it moves the heart of God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will always come back to Jesus Christ when it has to do with prayer. Because his, his, his assignment when he came here was to seek and to save that which was lost. Tonight, we're going to pray for people that maybe God put on your heart tonight. If, if there is someone that God has put on your heart, maybe you can write their names down, and we're going to pray for them tonight in this season that God has called us to reach the lost one relationship at a time. And, and then watch what God does. In fact, that word supplication means to beg, that you're, you're, you're begging God. And I want, us, I want us to have this picture that we're all in heaven. In the presence of God, perfect, everything perfect, everything perfect. No more problems, no more sorrow, no more tears, perfect. But the thing that is missing is that person we did not pray for. And then imagine this, that when we pray for that person tonight and we do get to heaven, that person will be with us there. And then they will understand that that there was a God who loved them enough to send someone like you to pray on their behalf. Because if they don't know God, how will they pray unless we pray on their behalf? I'm going to ask the worship team to come out, and I want us to. I want to just say this, uh, this statement again from our former president George, George Washington. And I read this in the beginning. He says, "Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection." And favor That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to implore God. We're going we're to ask God. We're going to petition God. We're going to beg God for this person that we're praying for. We're maybe about a month, uh, maybe a month or so away from Easter. And on Easter, you know, right now we're in this series, Seven Traits uh, for Thriving Relationships. And in April, on Easter Sunday we're going to kick off a brand new series, and I know I'm jumping the gun, but I just want to give you a picture of where we're heading. In April, we're going to kick off a new series on Easter Sunday called Dream. And I want you to dream about this person that you're praying for, that they will step foot into this church or any other church, that they will step foot into a church where the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached that's our dream. And that's our prayer. So would you bow your heads with me as, as, as we pray. And, and, and as I pray, you can, you can say your prayer too. I'm just going to lead us a little bit. We're going to sing a song. And then we'll conclude. But Lord, tonight, as we pray to you, we pray for the lost. Those that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. They, they maybe know a little bit about you. Maybe they've heard about you. Maybe they, they think they know you. Maybe they, they, they say certain things in the hopes that you accept them. Or maybe they're trying to do good works so that you accept them. Maybe they're, they're, they're trying every religion so that just in case they pick the wrong one, they're safe. They may be doing all kinds of things, but, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so our prayer, Lord, is for those that don't know you. It's for the lost. Our heart here, Lord, is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. This is our year of relationships, Lord. It starts with a relationship with you. So we pray to you. We beg you, Lord. And we dream that these people that we pray about tonight and we pray for, that we intercede for and pray on their behalf would step foot into a church or or just to get to know you. Maybe they'll be at home, they'll be watching something on TV and, and maybe cry out to you there. We don't know, Lord. It's not, it's not for us to, to get credit or anything like that. It's for them to know you as their God. So we pray to you, Lord. and pray on their behalf. And you can do that right now. You can go ahead and pray for them as we sing this song. But you can go ahead and pray for them in your own words. And you can mention them by name as you pray for them. God hears your prayers. He hears all of our prayers. for those that are far from you. You are a good and mighty God. We are so grateful and thankful that we can pray to you and intercede for these people. We dream, Lord, about that day When they come to know you as Lord and Savior, we hold that in our hearts, we contend for your promises, and we hang on to the one that is victorious, and that is you. Everything else pales in comparison to the one that is victorious, for you came to seek and to save that which was lost. You did your part, you went to the cross, now it's our turn to seek and to save that which was lost. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen.